When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and this is the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, January 20th, Brendan. Cubs convention has come and gone, and we are... Uh, you know, kind of a, a little under a month away from players starting to arrive in Arizona officially. Like we saw, I think on right. Thursday, Jamison Tyone is already throwing some bullpens. So, you know, some of those guys trickle in uh, pretty early to get some work in. Kyle Hendricks, uh, you know, showing up on my Twitter feed today. Uh, but it's getting close. Sporting a goatee, by the way, yeah. Corey Kyle Hendricks. I made I made the joke to you that uh, I he I think he's done a little bit of like five o'clock shadow in the past. He has, he has. I I joked to you that like a full bearded Kyle Hendricks, it it it, <laughs> it goes along with his new you know search for velocity, right? right? Yeah, he'll be coming out throwing ninety five, a new slider that he has hinted at in the past with a full beard. Right. He'll be Jake Arrieta, essentially. Yes, a different man. Yeah, a new yeah. look for a new um, velocity profile. I know, I know. It is good to see him out there, though. You know, we heard he was starting his new throwing program, and for all intents and purposes, he seems happy with his progress. He may not be ready for opening day, right. but he's out there. At least he's looking good. He's smiling. I feel good about good it. Good to have options, however the Cubs ultimately decide to do this. So, uh a little bit of a rundown, I think, uh, on today's show. Uh, you know, Brendan and I have not joined you guys since the Cubs added Trey Mancini, so I want to offer our thoughts on that. Um, you know, and some of the discussion, I know Cody, Luke, and Ryan kind of touched on this as well earlier in the week, but you're just seeing, like, a lot of discussion about, like, the Cubs offseason, and some people confused, some people kind of understanding what they're doing, um, just a lot of interesting discourse around the Chicago Cubs for some reason. So, you know, maybe some uh, thoughts on that. We also got a a very strong uh, Zips projection on the St. Louis Cardinals, which I'm sure Brendan wants to talk about, Um, just in the context of the Cubs, their offseason, and a team that obviously they are going to have to chase if they want to compete in the National League Central. Um, And then looking at, I think, the potential reliever market. Um, you know, maybe that'll open up a little bit on Thursday. Uh, Aroldis Chapman signing with the Kansas City Royals. So maybe that kind of uh, opens a little bit more of the floodgates for the rest of the reliever market, which the Cubs are reportedly, you know, somewhat interested in, in, in kind of rounding out this roster. And we'll see uh, wherever else this podcast takes us. But first, Brendan, uh, if I can, a couple house okay. housekeeping notes. Um, the first is that uh, if you missed any of the CubsCon coverage from the CHGO Cubs team, uh, please check that out. So Luke and Ryan were able to do some sit-down interviews with some of the guys. They've been rolling those out uh, on on the shows, on the podcast feed, and also on the YouTube channel. I think those interviews are also being posted as standalone clips uh, on the YouTube channel. I know the Albert Alzali interview was going out on Thursday, so last night, uh, but a lot of really good content. Uh, our guy Cody Del Mendo was also at CubsCon. He made some TikToks, some tweets, uh, a lot of really good content. So uh, if you missed any of that, you know, check out the CHGO Cubs uh, podcast feed, which is how you're listening to this. Obviously, the CHGO Sports YouTube channel and uh, the CHGO Cubs and CHGO Sports Twitter handles uh, for all of that content. Uh, You can follow Cody uh, underscore CHGO on TikTok, et cetera, et cetera. But a ton of good content uh, from the team, uh, not from Brendan and I. So I just want to make sure uh, that everybody is checking that out and not missing that. 
And uh, lastly, just a, a cool thing for the company, but our CHGO Bulls crew is in Paris at the moment. The Bulls are playing in Paris on Thursday afternoon. Uh, so they have a ton of great content from literally another continent, Brendan. That is the uh, type of stuff that we're a part of somehow. You and I are not in Paris, but, you know, as opposed to when you and I were just uh, two schmoes doing this on our own. Pretty, and, you know, we still are two schmoes doing yes, this. Yes, but, but we're a part of a really cool company. <laughs> True. That's the point. True. Somehow, some way. Yes, somehow, some way we're allowed to uh, be a part of this. But... Yeah. So that's 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 what I think I have. Uh, again, be sure to check that out. Uh, you know, again, uh, especially those interviews with the players, really cool, and just an opportunity for uh, you know our our crew to to sit down with some guys in the Cubs and and get some in depth conversation um, on what uh, they expect in in 2023 and and things like that. But Brendan, let's talk a little bit of Trey Mancini. I know this news uh, was last weekend, but you and I have not had a chance to talk about it. And I think you know sometimes that's good because. Uh, you know, we can look at it now from their perspective. I don't want to belabor it too much. I think people have heard a little bit of discussion about it, but we can look at it, you know, almost a week later and, you know, kind of have digested it a little bit, right? So um, it was a move that was pretty heavily rumored throughout this offseason, but, you know, once the Hosmer thing happened and uh, kind of hearing from the Cubs staff weren't really sure it was going to happen. So it did come, it was like one of those things where we heard about it enough that it wasn't a surprise, but maybe the timing was a a surprise. But where are you a week later as you think about that move and, you know, overall just the context of the Cubs roster? I think surprised is the accurate word. It's surprising because he was made available at that price. When they signed Hosmer, we were thinking this is probably it. For the roster, you're seeing the hot free Asia market. Hitters are being paid on average about 30 to 40 percent more than the expectations going in by those projections. So I'm thinking Mancini's going to get at least 15 million dollars per year. He was already making seven and a half million in his last year of arbitration with this market. Even though it's scarce now, I thought he'd be making twice as much. So the fact that they're only paying him seven million dollars. On an annual average value base for two years, $14 million, is a huge surprise to me, and it doesn't do much to their luxury tax implications. Now, if you look at the MLB COTS contract estimations for that tax, they were a little bit higher even on Nico Horner and Ian Happ's arbitration projection by about $2.5 million total. So right now, even with Mancini... They're about $14 million away from the tax. That is still a big cushion, relatively speaking, at the trade deadline if you want to go out and add if the team is in con- uh, contention. For example, let's say you have Sonny Gray on the market come July. Sonny Gray makes $12 million this year. For half the season, it would be an extra six mil to that luxury tax. In theory, you can get two guys in that sunny gray territory if you don't go out and sign relievers. That's the cool part about this deal for me. Then you get the the base, some of the stability in the case that Matt Mervis needs more time to develop, in the case that Matt Mervis ends up not being productive this year, and in the case that Eric Hosmer is not what some think he could be. So it is a no-brainer. It's just so surprising that he eventually signed for only $7 million, Corey. Yeah, that's good context, too. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of, you know, potential trade acquisitions if the Cubs do find themselves in a competitive spot, things like that. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I like the move. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, again, I look at this roster and I, you know, still mostly stand with what you and I said a few weeks ago, right? Um, which is I I really did hope to be more in a place where I felt like for sure this is a 90-plus win team, right? Like that's where I really hoped that they could get to, even if though it was ambitious. But kind of going back to what I said about some of the weird uh, discourse, um, you know, I think it was the talking baseball podcast, the John Boy podcast, where, yeah. you know, he was just well, they saying— they ripped the cops, essentially. Well, he was just saying, like, I don't get it. Um, and Well, that was just, that's just lazy preparation. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I mean. Like, there is a big difference no between 
let's say, being underwhelmed or not as excited as I wanted to be about the Cubs offseason and thinking it was bad, right? Th- those are two completely different things. I think objectively, the as we discussed, right? Like, they lifted the floor at so many positions. And even if you'd rather have more guys, like shooting for, hey, this guy can be a, a little bit above league average, right? It's not super exciting, but that's objectively better than what they had, right? And so it was weird kind of like listening to some of that discourse and thinking like, well, they went out and they improved at several positions that they needed to improve at. Why, what isn't there to understand, right? Like, right. without the commitment long term, too. Right. And, and, and it, it, they've provided, in, even in adding Hosmer and Mancini, you've provided veteran presence for whenever Matt Mervis does come up. And you've provided a little bit of insurance to not put the weight of a huge, you know, burden on Matt Mervis to come up and immediately succeed at the major league level despite only having a few years of professional baseball experience, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I again, like there is a huge chasm between this offseason was bad and this offseason wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be, right? Like those are two completely different things. And I think not understanding what the Cubs are doing is odd to me. Like you, you don't have to be overwhelmingly excited about, you know, as we talked about, like where they're projected win-wise and, you know, maybe some of the discussion being like, can this team compete for a wild card spot? Like, again, as you and I and everybody else has talked about, like generally, like I would like the Cubs to have higher ambitions than that, right? And we've talked about the many reasons why annually that should be the case. But like when you look at the state of the organization, I, I understand what they're doing, right? Like, and so I think just weird to frame it in any other way is like, I, they got better and that's what they're doing. It's that simple. They, they tried to get better. Do you think that maybe they could have gotten even better or should have gone after different players? Maybe like that's for you to decide, but like yeah. they did get better. That's what their plan was. Don't make a ton of long-term commitments sign a big-time long-term commitment at the shortstop position, which you needed to do. It was a huge void to fill. And try to make the team better without mortgaging the future. Like, that's what they did. Yeah, and that's what we try to understand when we have these conversations, right? You can have an expectation or an idea or, as you described it, being overly ambitious. I think you and I shared that overly ambitious attitude at this point in the Cubs' rebuild. But... You can also take a step back and look at what is going on. Why Why are these moves being made? What is the thinking process behind that? And then try to interpret it. And it's pretty straightforward what the Cubs are doing. And when you have the understanding, then you can look in hindsight of the moves made in the past few years and judge ultimately if those were the right moves and that's your opinion. What they're doing now does make sense. I think, like, you and I talked about this in between our last episode, but I, like, I'm trying to find the proper way to communicate these, like, two ways of thinking, right? Because one way, I understand what they're doing this offseason. I don't think it's bad. I understand the limitations of the market. I understand it was hot. It was 30 to 40% over expectation. I get all of that. Couple that with Canario's injury and Brennan Davis's injury. It's hard to trade for immediate high value guys without those prospects at the upper levels. I totally understand all of that. Then there's a separate side of me that is overly ambitious and wants the front office to creatively come up with solutions to those problems. And then I start thinking, and I, I posed this, you know, question on Twitter. It's like, what if we just like signed Schwarber last year for nineteen point eight million annual average value for four seasons? W- what was the thinking of not signing Schwarber last year? What was the thinking of the moves that were not made? And I try to understand that in the moment. And in the moment, yeah. I think Jed didn't do that because 2022 was so uncertain with the development of Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele and trying to see what you have with all these older fringe guys as well. I understand not wanting to restrict yourself, but 
I do think you can judge that because what we saw this offseason still wasn't quite as aggressive. And now I'm left with this feeling that if this season doesn't prove to be 82 to 85 wins, if you don't get that minor league development at the upper levels, I'm a little concerned how the next few years go. So those are the two ways I think about this. You have the long-term picture, which I'm a little concerned about. However, I do understand why Jed operated in the way he did in this 2022 offseason. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's it's all kind of the same point. Like you, you don't have to give them an, an A mark on the offseason. You don't have to always give them the benefit of the doubt or if they have this, you know, long-term plan, like, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, I think there's, you can also think those things and hold them accountable for ultimately executing those things, right? Yeah. Like if you don't want to commit huge things now because you're hoping that you get some prospect development and it ultimately maybe comes together in a year in a more explosive kind of way. Okay, fine, right? But you're going to we can hold them accountable to do that. But at the same time, we can look at this offseason and again, wherever your expectations were or what you what standard you hold this organization to, like you can still say like the team got better, right? Is that good yeah. enough for you? Is that good enough for me? Like that doesn't that's not that's not what we're discussing, right? Like this is the off season they had, and I think they made the team better, which is yeah. what I, at least it sounded like. You know, they set out to do. So, again, if if it's if it's a longer term thing, then we hold them accountable for that. You know, um, I mean, we kind of are though, in in a, in a way, right? Like there, there's there's the future and you have PCA and you have these prospects and the organization as a whole looks really healthy, financially very healthy, prospect-wise, high volume, maybe not the high impact guys, but it doesn't appear as if uh, you know they're going to be restricted immensely. It just appears as if there's some volatility on those prospect development guys, but it's a different situation than we were two, three years ago where you were financially restricted and you didn't have the upper level prospect guys and the lower level prospect guys to go with it. So it does feel healthier at this point, but there's still a little bit of uncertainty that I don't quite like that I wish in hindsight Jed addressed in the form of those immediate signings like Schwarber. I'm going to say his name because it has to be said, like Gossman, like some of those other guys. I, I wish there was a little bit more of the uh, aggressiveness to couple some of the development at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think I think we're on the same page. I think most people are on the same page. Um, I mean, has your opinion changed since, since Massini signed? Because my, my interpretation from seeing that Cubs Twitter, I, I do think the, the vibe or the attitude has switched. I do think it's slightly more positive, mm-hmm. generally speaking. You're still going to have the negative guys, no doubt about that. But I do feel as if most are defending like the John Boy reaction. And I you, you didn't get those positive reactions for the last three seasons. You mean like def- you mean going against John Boy? Well, I mean, when he said like, oh, I don't understand what the Cubs are doing, I felt yes, as okay. if there was more defense of the front yes, office okay. than right. we've seen in many, many offseasons. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what we're trying to articulate, and we're kind of belaboring this point now, but um, that that's what we're trying to articulate. Like, I think there's just such a wide gap between like, I don't get what they're doing. Why did they do this? And, you know, I th- this offseason is the best offseason ever, right? Like, I don't think anybody's saying that. I certainly don't think that. But, like, getting better players than the ones you had, even if they're not great, like, I, I'm not sure what's confusing about that. You know what I mean? And like I said, yeah. you can hold them to a higher standard, and I think I've articulated that I do. But it's it doesn't... Like, I'm not sure what's not to understand, right? Like, I think it was one of the immediate reactions, but our guy Cody, you know, tweeted out, like, right away, like, Hosmer and Mancini and maybe whatever you get from Matt Mervis, however that all works out, is better than Frank Schwindel and Alfonso Rivas. And it shouldn't be better by a little bit, right? Right. It should be better by sort of a significant amount. Like, what doesn't make sense about that, right? Like... You know, I would love for I them to so. go, you know, have a $400 million payroll and be sitting here projected to win 105 games. Like, that's what I want them to do every year. But, like, mm-hmm. they, I think they improve themselves. So it's like there's just a big difference between these things, you know? I mean, no no doubt. And just to play devil's advocate to that point, I don't do these uh, these ad breaks, but 
there's going to be some fans. And I think I share this sentiment too, where we look at Hosmer combined with Mancini, look at the last offseason and going into the season with uh, Schwindel and Rivas. You know, you look at Rizzo's contract and the inability to extend him years past, and he did get uh, a contra for him. But the question is, you know, all along, did it make more sense just to give Rizzo a little bit more money to keep him here? That will be that will be what we're talking about years from now, looking at hindsight and judging on the execution. And there's still room to judge that in the next couple of years. But I do understand why fans think like that as well. All right. Quick break here from our sponsor, ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve manage every usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights, learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device, and track your facility's energy usage, and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor, outdoor lighting, and network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than before. Visit comed.com slash Powering Biz Now to start saving money and energy. To start a project, contact us at 1 855 433 2700. And for more information, email businessee at comed.com or public sector ee at comed.com. All right, another break here, a new one, Corey. I'm excited about this personally. Uh, this is the first, well, now the second day that Goose Island has partnered with CHGO. I've been drinking Goose Island for like years, Corey. 312 has been my beer choice for a while. And it's been Chicago's beer since 1988. Right now they have a Blackhawks Pale Ale. It is a limited release. Hawks and uh, Goose Island have been neighbors for 25 plus years. There's a Goose Pub in the UC open that's been open for almost 10 years. Tap Room is a pregame destination for Hawks fans, they have the Bourbon County style, the Christmas IPA, if you're still in the Christmas spirits, Green Line, Matilda, so many different beer options. And Goose Island has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. You can grab a beer from their innovation takes at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1-800-WEST Fulton or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1-800-NORTH Clybourne. And for reservations and pickup, you can go to gooseisland.com slash locations. Again, Goose Island Beer Company is now with CHGO. Yeah, that's a cool one, Brendan. Um, it is. There's, there's no denying that. We love all of our sponsors, uh, but it's especially cool when, you know, you're able to uh, promote a product that you love and have been, I was going to say using, but <laughs> drinking <laughs> um, for, you know, such a long time. And it's like the beer company in Chicago. And, you know, uh, we had... If you guys saw the social media content on Thursday, you know, like a, a, a launch and, and get together um, at at the brew house, um, you know, all that content was on Thursday and the Clybourne location over near Lincoln Park. Um, it's just a great spot. Great vibes. The aesthetic yeah. is great. They have really good food, obviously, you know, an extensive uh, beer menu and and every you know excellent beer from goose island that's that's just a cool one um and like you said i mean 312 is like the beer so uh that is yeah a very exciting partnership um that uh we're very proud to have so goose island at night ag1 in the morning the perfect combo there you go um yeah so to finish on Trey Mancini, though, uh, have you have you been diving into you know some of the like what does he look like at Wrigley Field type metrics? Because uh, I know you know especially spending some time in Baltimore, and then he got traded, but uh, Baltimore was was not a good place to hit. So are are you in on that? How much do you put how much do you put in stuff like that when you're looking at a player like Mancini? Yeah, you had to put stock into that. So his expected home run rate was 25 last year. His overall actual home uh, home run rate was only 18. If you look at the Wrigley overlay of his spray chart, you can just count the dots that go past the wall. There were like 34 of those. So if you played every game, 162 games, which is not you know realistic, but if you were to do that, you scale his spray chart 
is 34 home runs. So the power is still there. And he's kind of that prototypical league average hitter, league average contact rate, league average plate discipline, league average power. He's league average and he's paying, getting paid below league average, which is why I was surprised he only is making $7 million per year. Now you contrast him with Jose Abreu, right? Jose Abreu got three years, 51 million. I think you and I both wanted Abreu at the onset of the offseason. I think we understand why the Cubs didn't do that, committing three years to a current 36-year-old. And given some of the changes in, in Abreu's uh, hitting profile last year, for example, his power decreased quite a bit, uh, only hit 15 home runs last year. His contact rate went up from 74% to 80%. So it appeared as if there was a more conscious effort to make more contact by Abreu. Mancini's been a stable guy for the past four or five years. You know what you're going to get with him. And he's younger, and he's not committed, and he's worth half the price. So I understand why the Cubs did this. Um, let's talk this last bit of the reliever market. You know, we've kind of talked about where the Cubs spend money. Do they spend any more money? How do they feel about the, um, bullpen and, and things like that? Um, you know, there's been some chatter about old friend Andrew Chafin, which I think would be a really nice move. Um, but there's, you know, some other interesting names out there. And I have been of the belief that I, I, I'd like another like veteran in that group. I really would. Um, if they don't end up wanting to spend the money on it, fine. I don't really care. Um, but I, I would be interested in it. Um, how, how, how do you feel about, you know, maybe who's left? Uh, if you're interested in any of these guys for the Cubs, how important do you think that is? Uh, it seems to be the last area we might see the Cubs add somewhere. So what do you think about that in terms of the, the late reliever market? Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to sit down on this one that like getting Andrew Chafin back on the Cubs would be fun, right? But he's had a lot of success in the last few years where I think his overall price might be $5 million, $6 million, maybe higher. And where the Cubs are at from a tax perspective, I'm assuming they're not going to go over this year or otherwise this offseason makes even less sense. So given that information, given what the Cubs currently have, on their roster in the bullpen. I don't see inching towards that tax right now making that much sense because if some of the guys in the bullpen end up working out, if Adber Alzali ends up working out, if Rowan Wick can turn it around, then you're looking at uh, a, a trade deadline where you have more flexibility to improve elsewhere. And I want to keep that 10 to 15 million open right now to make those deals because that to me is where this team needs to take the next step to be an obvious contention through trades at the trade deadline. And if you sign one of these guys now that has some uncertainty, I, I'm, I'm worried that's going to restrict them even more come the trade deadline. That is uh, fair. Yeah. Also worth noting that I think late on Thursday, uh, Mark Leiter Jr. did clear waivers, uh, so he's still in the organization. Um, you know, again, something we've pointed out, he was very strong as a reliever, not as a starter. He was bad as a starter. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was very solid in his work, uh, especially as a multi-inning reliever. So at least uh, someone who's still in the organization. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't uh, I don't necessarily want them to go crazy here. I kind of feel like Chafin might be priced out of what they're looking to do. He's yeah. got elite I mean, vibes, so obviously, and he was really good for the Cubs. Um but he just feels like one of those guys that's left that might just get a little too expensive for how interested the Cubs are in doing this. Um, the Cubs have just had success with adding veterans, and I just think, you know, similar to how they've played it all of, you know, this this entire offseason. Like, I think even if you're not adding the most exciting guys uh, or these, like, lights-out relievers, like, lifting the floor a little bit, you know, and, and lessening the pressure you're putting on some of these younger guys to continue the year they had last year or step up and things like that, like, I'm into it. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, the Cubs have a lot of very interesting young arms that, you know, I, I, I do really want to see, and I don't necessarily have a problem um, 
deferring to. I just think, you know, especially in the bullpen, like experience is always good. Getting guys with a proven track record is always good. And the Cubs have had a really good, um, you know, run of identifying those guys, adding them and, and getting good performance out of them. Yeah. And I think the group right now, they, they still have some experience, even in the young guys. I was listening to Luke and Ryan talk to Adbert Alzali today on, on the Thursday, we're recording this today, on the Thursday episode. And he was discussing, Adbert was, the mindset of coming out of the bullpen and the experience that he now has. And he was saying for how many years he's been doing this now, he likes coming out of the bullpen the most. He likes that attacking mindset. Like he feels as if he can be a closer. But the reason I bring that up because he he has the experience to do it now. It's been several years. The issue with Adbert is just the health. And then you look at around the bullpen too. It's not an inexperienced group anymore. You've seen Keegan do it now for a full season. You've seen Rowan Wick be on this team for several years now, having some ups and downs. Granted, but overall, proving that he can at least stay in there in in the bullpen the entire year. You have guys that have done it so far. And then you look lower in the minors and you can see a lot of potential there. Jeremiah Estrada is probably the best relief prospect I've ever seen in the Cubs organization from a stuff, pure stuff perspective and the command to go with it. And then the current Cubs depth with like 10 starting pitching options at this point, you can just substitute four or five of those guys in the bullpen, couple that with higher leverage guys, and you have stability. You give yourself the opportunity to come June and July, evaluate if you need a lockdown-esque type guy. In the same vein that they made that decision in 2016 when they traded for Chapman despite having Strope and, and Rendon. So it's 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 possible to get through the season at that point. But my, my thinking is there's no certainties on the market right now that justifies limiting one potential trade acquisition at the deadline. There's a little bit too much uncertainty for, for my liking. And I think by June, there might be even a better reliever available. And I think the Cubs current group can get there. Uh, so it, it says, this says a lot about you. I have a follow-up question about the relievers, but it okay. says a lot about Brendan that it is, uh, I'm looking at your Twitter feed from January 19th. And I am seeing a three-tweet thread with graphs about Rowan Wick in mid-January from you. If that's not the most Brendan Miller thing (laughs) that's possible, I don't know what is. Um, I did that at like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. You're a sick man. I had a Rowan Wick on the mind. A sick man. I have issues. What do you want me to tell Um, But I just bring that up because, you know, you were highlighting some of this stuff in his second half. And I'm just thinking as we talk about the bullpen, like, who do you think gets the first shot at closing games? When we went into last year, I think it was a little clearer. Um, You know, you just had someone in David Robertson who had closing experience. You know, they had flirted with, like, letting Rowan Wick get some of that time. Coming into this season, I feel like I don't—I'm not sure I know who— gets those shots, right? Especially because last year, you know, we saw some of those guys succeed, but David Ross liked to use them in different ways. And it doesn't immediately scream to me like this person is getting the ninth inning and going to be asked to close games. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of guys with good stuff. I mean, they, they even just got uh, Julian Merriweather, for example, who has stuff that's off the charts by pitch graders, but he's not going to get the chance, of course. I think from day one, Brandon Hughes, perhaps, Corey? I mean, just he had the long-term success last season. It's not to say he's a closer by nature, but he had the most success. Uh, it's going to be a matchup based, I think. Brad Boxberger is that veteran presence. Maybe he does not get the strikeouts that you like to see from a closer. Adbert Alzali probably has the nastiest volume of stuff in terms of like cutter, slider, curveball, you know, multiple fastball types. But he may have to go three to five innings to piggyback off guys. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If Cody Hoyer can show that he's healthy, he has the stuff. He reinvented his uh, fastball when he was acquired from the White Sox. I think if I were to bet on this, on day one, I would think Brandon Hughes gets the first chance. But I'd give that like a 2% chance of lasting through the end of May. 
Yeah, I, and like Hughes was the first guy I thought of, but he was also a guy last year that David Ross really liked to use, uh, you know, sometimes for multiple innings, but also to put out fires, right? Which is how you should be using your best relievers, right? And and he just may keep doing that. Just, yeah. There's maybe like a fire. I now, guess I just, you know? I, I, you know, that that's how I would advocate doing things. But I always just wonder, you know, and not everybody is like this, but especially you think about like some of the issues that Craig Kimbrell had at times when he was not put in the position of getting the last three outs, right? Like some guys like that mindset. And I I guess I just am wondering aloud if the group as a whole would be... um, I mean, do you have a preference right now? uh, No, because I think some of the guys I think would be, you know, like Alzali is really interesting, but I think he's going to end up pitching multiple innings. And you can finish games by pitching multiple innings, but I'm just not sure there's like a standout. Like this guy comes in the ninth, he gets his, you know, music and his little video at Wrigley Field, right? And he pitches for three outs. That's it. Like, I don't know if they have that guy. You know, it's possible, though, if the depth is so good. Let's say, for example, you have Javier Assad step up. Let's say, you know, Hayden Wisniewski looks really good out of the bullpen for the time being. Let's say Kyle Hendricks bounces back. You may not need to have Alzali go three, four mm-hmm. innings. It'd be great if he could, right? But if you want to maximize your overall value, maybe it makes more sense to limit Alzalai's innings and let him close. And he still is coming back from like two serious arm injuries over the last two years. And he likes closing. So maybe it does make yeah. sense come June that they have the depth. They need that that put out guy in the ninth and Alzalai's right well, there. Well, and maybe we should be thinking about it from the perspective of what'll be the most hype, you know, ninth I mean, inning entrance. Far, and I think it's Alzalai. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it's close. Blue hair. Yeah, blue hair, whatever music he'll come, you know, trotting out to. I the think, energy, I think, I I think, think in terms him. of hype, it's ad bear. Yeah. And I'm not sure no that doubt. it's close. Is that no what doubt. we should be weighing? You know, I don't know. I do think, though, if Jeremiah Estrada continues to develop and he has that mindset and he's comfortable with it, the, the age is a problem in terms of, you know, having that trust factor. But he has such good stuff, Corey. I mean, his four-seam fastball on his debut graded as like an 80 out of 80, like one of the best fastballs in the league. And then his slider also graded in like the 95th percentile from stuff alone. The strikeouts off the charts. He just flew through the system last year, starting at, starting at high, finishing in the bigs. If he can just take that next step, earn that trust from David Ross, I can see Estrada just taking hold of that. I'm not saying it's likely, but in a perfect world, he is the guy to do this. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for it. So it'll be interesting, you know, again, like uh, there's there hasn't been, you know, much more talk, uh, but the Cubs are still like sort of loosely thought of to be at least perusing in that market if, if something comes up that, you know, meets whatever terms Jed wants to deal with. Uh, but that'll be interesting, you know, especially if Kyle's not ready to start the season in the rotation. Um, you know, you assume someone like Samson, maybe they they let Wisniewski get in there right away, um, you know, gets those opportunities. And then obviously, if Kyle eventually works his way back, you know, you're going to have to readjust things. Uh, and you've, you know, you've just got so many guys, as we've discussed, um, that it's going to be interesting to see their role. You know, we didn't even talk about Keegan Thompson, right, and the role that he's occupying. So this is going to be an interesting one from uh, David Ross. And I think I brought up the kind of lack of a clear you know, this guy is definitely the closer because I, you know, I think it also um, will speak to the role that David Ross and and Tommy Hadovy have to play, right, in in constructing yeah. this team and figuring out how they're going to get twenty seven outs on a given day. You know, we've talked. You know, if, you th- if you yeah, if you think about it though, Corey, like if you look back at twenty sixteen and how other teams have operated in those playoffs since then, like the, like the twenty nineteen Nationals, twenty sixteen the Cubs won the World Series. Oh, I believe, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but. Chapman was used, you know, two, three innings exhaustively to the critique of many fans Mm -hmm. to Joe Madden. You know, new era of baseball, if you have multiple guys or one guy that can do that, Alzelay kind of seems to be that guy. Keegan Thompson seems to be capable of doing that. So maybe the trend is, to your point earlier, you just finish the game. You come in the sixth and seventh inning and you just have the intention that guy is going to finish. And if he tires out, if he fatigues, if the lineup adjusts and you have someone just waiting in the wings in case it happens, I'll allow what happened during 2016 in the, in the World Series. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, and it, it does make me think too, like we've talked about David Ross in particular and how difficult the few seasons where he's started his managerial career 
have been and just the context of them and the roster um you know and obviously like the pandemic season like there it's been a very interesting like start to his season and you know he's still not going to be in a position where he's being given a you know this is a sure playoff team just don't screw it up right type roster uh, but this is going to be much more of a season where his role, I think, plays a bigger part in how successful this season goes, right? Like, I'm not one to argue that a manager is especially significant on things unless they're, they're just making downright bad decisions, right? I think, like, generally, a lot of the minutia we get into with managers is not significantly affecting a team's win-loss record, except in maybe really specific cases. Um, With Ross, though, this year, you know, you think about a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, right? Like, who's playing third base? How is that platoon managed? Who's playing first base every day? How are you managing that? It's not David's sole decision what happens with Matt Mervis, but when he does come up, how are you handling that, right? How are you handling someone like Cody Bellinger in terms of, you know, the leash you're giving him to figure things out at the plate and 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 maximizing those matchups, things like that, and everything we're talking about with this pitching staff, right? You have a ton of guys who you want to get opportunities for, you want to see more from, you want to see them continue on last year. And, you know, again, like it's it's a lot easier when your general manager gives you a bullpen where it's, you know, here's the seventh inning guy, here's the eighth inning guy, here's the ninth inning guy. Done, easy. That's what they were signed to do. In some cases, they're getting big money to do it. So this is what we're running out there every day if we need to win a game. That's not really the case for David. He's going to, you know, so... I'm I'm not saying that it's it's all on him, but I think in terms of the seasons that we've seen David Ross manage, this is going to be one where you may feel it a little more like whether he's making good or bad decisions, if that makes sense. All right, so a quick break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get it fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar in Paris with apparel from the leader in sports, merch, and collectibles. FOCO, looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-pre-sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Second break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and for the NFL divisional round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly, plus all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Brendan. Uh, I, I do want to ask you about these Cardinal Zips projections, right? Yeah. And so first, explain them to people um, if they you know don't otherwise know why we should care about them or if we should care about them. Um, and I guess I just wanted your opinion. It, 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 it was a strong projection, right? Like the projection for yeah. the Cardinals um, from Fangraphs is quite favorable to them. So I'm curious just what you thought. Were you panicked? I mean, you know, it's just a projection, but like, were you panicked by looking at them? Like, what do you, what do you think about it? And, and again, like this isn't a, a Cardinals podcast. I don't care about the Cardinals, but they are, you know, the team to chase in the division at the moment. So I think it's, it's at least relevant to kind of understand what the Cubs are up against. Yeah. The, the way like these projections, sometimes, Here's how I think about the projections. It is kind of a rough three-year average from the past three seasons, included with some age curves and some player estimation times, and that's it. Like, you know, 
I don't know. I don't read too much in the projections on the actual number output. I don't read too much into the warp. I don't read much into that at all. Like you can kind of just go in the fan graphs, look in the past three seasons, and then take the last three seasons, weigh the one, the most recent one appropriately, and that's kind of what you get. Now, each one will be a little bit different in the weights, but we're talking about decimal points and differences in its actual accuracy. And then if you look at the projections, Pakoda, Zips, Steamer, Fangrass, whatever you like, a lot of them fall one standard deviation of six wins. That means 60, about 65% of teams fall within a plus or minus six win window, Corey. That is absurd. And then if you accurately project your team's run expectancy, how many runs they give up, how many runs they score, there's still a variance of like three to four wins. So baseball is a dumb sport when it comes to this. For the Cardinals specifically, they have a lot of players with experience. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, even Tommy Edmond now, now Wilson Contreras. Uh, Paul DeYoung, for example, gets like not the worst projection. Tyler O'Neill has been in the league for a while now. And then their pitching staff is a bunch of veterans. You still have... Uh, Michaelis, Michaelis, I will never say his name appropriately, but he's had multiple years now. Jordan Montgomery, multiple years. Adam Wainwright, the veteran. Jack Flaherty, uh, despite the injuries, has had multiple years. And Steven Matz, despite those injuries, also has had multiple years of success. So taking all this together, they have a team that has experience and has a lot of guys within the last year or two really outperform those initial projections. Paul Goldschmidt last year really went beyond his projection. Uh, Tyler O'Neill in that power has really boosted in the last year. So I understand how it works. I don't freak out about it. The Cardinals do have a good team. They do. It's not surprising. Are they like the bona fide World Series contenders? Probably not at this point, but they absolutely could be. But the point being is these projections in baseball as a whole, a lot of weird stuff can happen. And you have to look at your own individual team and see what the ceiling is, as well as the floor. And the way I interpret it for the Cubs is that the floor has been has, has raised quite significantly from last year. And so has the ceiling, but there's still a lot of volatility. For the Cardinals, there's not that much volatility. You kind of have a good understanding of what your team is going to give you based on the bulk sum and based on the past three to four years of these guys. Yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, I- which, which last point, which is why I like the, the concept of like tanking and all of this and the Cubs not being aggressive over the past two years. The reason I, I think like that is just because of these projections. If you were to make a model that has that much air, you get fired from your job. That model sucks. Like these projections from an actual like predictive, you know, let's say uh, uh, AI form, these suck. These are not good models whatsoever. And I can't keep stressing that even more. There's still value in that, like to see how they work and what they're trying to accomplish and look at the ranges. But the ranges are rarely discussed. It's always discussed about the actual output, 85 wins. But rarely do you see what the 80th percentile projection is, the 20th percentile projection. That is what's interesting about the models, not the actual output itself. Yeah, uh, if we were like a you know clickbait media company, there'd be a thing like tomorrow, like you know Cubs podcaster <laughs> takes shots at fan graphs. <laughs> I'm um, not taking shots no. at it. I mean, like they they're the ones who say no, this. I like, know. I'm not the one saying I this. It's just some some of the fan interpretations. Um, yeah, I, like I think if anything, you know, again, these are all projections, right? Like they don't play the game on a computer. They don't play it with numbers. We just sort of use this to inform things and think about things when they're not playing games, right? But ultimately, it's all played on the field. That's where things matter. Um, what I do think that, you know, something like this at least highlights, though, is that going into the season before anybody's played any games and, you know, guys have stepped on the field— you're in a position where you feel like stuff has to go wrong for St. Louis, right? And for the Cubs to win the Central, a lot has to go right. Not saying it can't happen. Crazier things have happened. But, you know, that's how, that's, if you were speaking about it from a narrative perspective, that's generally how things feel. 
And, you know, I think going back to like our earlier discussion, I had hoped that it wouldn't necessarily feel like that, right? Um, But like you said, like, I don't think that this team is some kind of juggernaut. I think it's a very solid roster. Um, But yeah, like that's, that's how I think of it. Like, I think the NL Central right now feels like the Cardinals have built themselves a solid team and some stuff would have to go wrong or some guys would have to regress quickly, right? Um, and the Cubs have to get a lot to go right, but we we know that, right? That's That's been the case for a little while now. So, you know, it's it's maybe not where we want to be, but it's okay. It's it, it's okay. Uh, we, I mean, this doesn't change my thinking. I've seen it too on Twitter, like oh, the Cardinals and its projections. I, I I get all of that, but it doesn't change my thinking. And nor sh- honestly, I feel pretty confident about this. I don't think it should change many fans' thinking. Like this is how it is. These projections are going to give you a wide range of possibilities, and we all knew one of the possibilities for the Cardinals is they go away and they win the division. They do well in the playoffs. Like is that surprising? No. Is it surprising the Cubs are possibly a playoff team as well? No. These are not new thinking processes. It's just when you see it on paper like this, it it may kind of jolt you, but this is not really new information. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's just I I wanted to touch on it because a lot of people were talking about it. You know, it it came out, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday, and a lot of people were talking about it. And I think uh, you're one of the people that can at least explain it. Though, as I tell you all the time, and our guy Ryan Herrera tell you all the time, sometimes you don't dumb things down as much as we would like you to. I disagree with that. I think sometimes I do dumb it down quite quite well. Okay, well, I guess what Ryan and I are saying to you is that we're dumber than you're giving us credit for. So I don't think so. I don't think you guys listen to me. I don't. I can't speak for Ryan. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. I do not. Yeah, you just got to listen more. You, you guys, it's amazing. I've been doing a podcast with Brendan for six years, and I just I take my headphones Seven out when years. he starts talking. So. Yeah, I know. I can sense it. <laughs> I'm just really good at maintaining a conversation or making it seem like I'm paying attention. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, again, kind of the uh, state of the division, I suppose. And I, I don't know what anybody thinks of the Brewers. I think that's a pretty weird team. So uh, the Cardinals well, definitely are going to go into this season as the team to beat. Uh, and it's, you know, it's going to be on the Cubs to outperform some of these projections to uh go and catch them. Uh, So I think generally that is all that we have for you. Um, You know, again, just uh, not a flurry of moves, but just trying to keep pace with everything that's been going on. Uh, And again, you know, before we sign off, I do want to reiterate uh, on Thursday evening on the YouTube channel, uh, it's at CHGO Sports, youtube.com slash at CHGO Sports. Um, gonna the the CHGO Cubs team, Luke and Ryan at CubsCon sat down uh, with several Cubs players on Thursday night. Uh, they added their interview with Adbert Alzali, um, you know, talking about his his role and his career and all sorts of stuff. Uh, it's about a twenty minute long interview, uh, and on that YouTube channel, they are going to continue rolling those out. Uh, I think they're splicing some in, you know, with the daily podcasts. But if you want to watch just those sit down one on one interviews uh, with the CHGO CHGO Cubs team and those Cubs players at CubsCon. They're going to be going up, uh, you know, slowly but surely on the YouTube channel. Again, the Edward Alzali one went up on Thursday night, and there are more to come. So don't miss those really good sit-down interviews and, and a really cool chance for uh, our team to be able to you know, sit down and interact directly with some of the guys that are going to have such a big impact on the roster that we have been breaking down relentlessly for the last several months here. So other than that, uh, I think that is what we have for you. As always, uh, we appreciate your guys' support, uh, you know, listening to Brendan and I here on Fridays, and of course, uh, Luke, Cody, Ryan, Jared uh, on the daily live episodes. Of course, you can check everything out on the podcast feed if you're listening here now, as well as the aforementioned YouTube channel. Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday to see if anything else uh, has has been added to this Cubs roster, subtracted, etc. Um, we'll talk to you guys next Friday. Thank you uh, for listening. As always, use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. We appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Cubs.